interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hello, we are the Manic Street Speakers, a podcast where we speak about the preachers. But we don't love the winter. It doesn't bring us closer together. It makes us want to stay in a duvet and eat crisps. Coming up, we take a look at the B-side democracy coma and party like it's 1999 with the Manic's biggest ever gig. But first, let me introduce you to a woman who had vowed to stay away from pricks forever, but actually has a date with one next week. It's Emma. Vaccination time, come on! Yes, this um, critically, extremely vulnerable gal has got her first jab soon, and I'm very excited. I've never been so excited for a date with a prick. (laughs) Usually you have to wait until you find out if they're a prick. Yeah, yeah, but I know straight away, this is, I'm just really excited. It's a a massive prick. (laughs) Oh, fuck's sake. How do you know that so early? Has he sent you a picture? Oh, God. Well, look, (laughs) no, (laughs) I haven't had to sleep with anyone to get it. I am genuinely, clinically extremely vulnerable. (laughs) Please don't write in. Oh, yeah, I should probably introduce you. (laughs) (laughs) The host of this podcast is a man who owns a Lilo and Stitch onesie, and he knows full well that Ahana means family. Speaking of which, his girlfriend recently had her first COVID vaccination, so now he has really reliable 5G coverage at home. It's Mikey! (laughs) Yeah, I just put my mobile phone next to her head. (laughs) I don't want to point out factual inaccuracies to your... your... (laughs) Because we have literally had to re-record this bit because I wasn't recording. But you've corrected one thing. Uh Uh-huh. But it's not a Lilo and Stitch onesie, it's just a Stitch onesie. Well, you know, <laughs> I, you are such a pedant. That's all I'm going to say. Now it's time for Democracy Coma. It was a B-side to Love Sweet Exile and Repeat and was released on the 28th of October 1991.
If Generation Terrorists had sounded like this, it'd be one of my favourite albums ever, ever. The heaviness of the guitar and the fact it feels quite strained as the song starts. And then there's the, this weird, like, ghostly, ethereal chant of Condemned repeated and it clashes over it. Although for years I thought he was saying get out. I'm so glad you said this because you know I like to write notes. And I have literally... I won't, I won't spoiler the whole thing. I'll read it in a minute. But one of them does say, I've never known what he's actually saying. And it sounds to me like a strange com- combination of get out and dead end. It's so weird. It just doesn't sound like condemned to me. No. Um, but yeah, immediately this song is sh- is short, sharp, punctual, and it immediately has more energy than most of their debut, but purely because of the production. Oh, I love this song. I love the intro with the jangling guitars into more of a grind before the voice of JDB sounding almost in reverse as he makes an anguished cry. I could never work out what he's saying. To me, it's always been a strange combination of dead end and get out. The chorus, Mother of the Free, She Said That We'd Breathe But We Just Scream, sums up the strangled voicelessness of the working classes against the faux glory of the royal family and the right-wing upper classes. Who could fail to love JDB's growling death famine spectacle and whoa? (laughs) We have to do that. This is genuinely one of my absolute favourite early B-sides. I think it encapsulates exactly what the early Manics were about. How I read it, it's about society not working for everyone and it's a rejection of what worldview the state wants to inflict on everyone. Yeah, completely, completely. And it's another anti-royal song. Mm-hmm, yeah. Sovereign fingers... Too many. Yeah, sovereign fingers scrape our lives until we are bought, screaming comatose with blackboard chalk. Siphoned minds suck a wallet full of love, spitting out a language I don't want to talk. It's so good. It's so angry and angsty and I just really love it. You can just it it makes you feel something, I think. I, I feel like when you when you hear those words and the sort of grindy guitar and the the punchy production of it, to me I just get such a vivid image of these four lads in their you know white jeans with spray painted slogans and just wanting to be wanting to break out of what they were in and be something completely different and I just it's so such a visceral image and such a visceral set I'm just like yes this encapsulates to me early manics I just I really love it I really love it yeah it's a big punch in the face and it it Mm. sums up what what they were about at that time doesn't it that Uh, yeah, another lyric. It, to me, the coronation's another, and I, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to say this right. <laughs> Auto de fe, de fe, which is Spanish for act of faith. Ah. Or go on, you can say auto da fe. Say it in Spanish, in the Spanish accent. <laughs> Come on, I know you're a performing monkey. You can do this. Auto da fe. Look, I'm part Greek, not part Spanish. Don't expect me to to travel. My accent does not travel around the Mediterranean. (laughs) More lyrics. Mother of history's dead son. DNA of restriction and law. Death, famine, spectacle and war. So... (laughs) What is it it good for? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah, but the best bit for me is the chorus, how the pace kicks up further into this fierce, mm. 
but really catchy moment. When it, when you get to the end of the song, it's almost like they don't want to stop. You know, that there's not a sort of sudden, you know, slow down or anything. The the guitars when they're doing that new that bit I just think it's almost like oh we know we have to finish this song (laughs) but fine we've been forced to we're gonna stick a quote on the end and this is this is what who we are and what we're about yeah that that quote at the end is from Allen Ginsberg's poem Howl yes Uh, and shocks of hospitals and jails and wars hold intellects disgorged in total recall the only weird bit for me in this song is the line about Sony Walkmans, which just ages it completely. That dates this song firmly when it was written. <laughs> Did you ever have a Sony Walkman? I went straight from Sony Walkman to Sony Discman. Yeah, Discman. And if you basically trod on a stone, it would just skip the disc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I just headbutted my microphone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Note to self, don't nod so enthusiastically. <laughs> I used to take uh, my Discman to school with me on the school bus and every time we went over a speed bump, just... <laughs> yeah, then were the days. Did you headbutt the seat in front of you as well? <laughs> no, I was usually hunched up in a ball on the school bus because I was, I was very badly bullied on the school bus. I was usually trying to make myself as small and unseen as possible. That's really sad. I never did the school bus thing because I either walked. My middle school was about five minutes away and mm. then I cycled to high school. So I never I never got bullied on a school bus. To be fair... I got, I got bullied on my bike. <laughs> You wanker! I was hor- horribly bullied on the school bus. That is a that's a whole that's a that's a truth, and that's a story for another time. And on that note, what score would you give this out of five? I'm going to give it a solid four. Yeah, I'm with you. Four. It's a banger, isn't it? Should it have been on the album in place of <clears throat> Repeat Stars and Stripes? That or Damn Dog? Yes. Okay, I'll put this to Twitter. Five stars gave it 36%. Four stars gave it 36%. Three stars, 27%. And that's all the votes. Some comments. Mr. Teen Word Power. That is the name. Uh, if if the likes of Repeat Tennessee, Spectators of Suicide and Bleeding Damn Dog made it onto the album, then Democracy Coma could consider itself unlucky. That said, I don't care too much for it. Oh. Don't you feel there's something? Don't you feel there's something lacking just before the final chorus? Uh, uh, I suppose. No. <laughs> it, it, it's very short. I suppose. There's not. It is literally verse, chorus, verse, chorus. I suppose. Yeah. There's there's no middle eight or anything, but I think I think that suits it. I I do. I was just going to say I don't feel like it. I personally. And I don't want to disagree with you, nice person. But I um, personally don't think it needs it. I think part of the beauty of it is it is almost like a short statement. Dean Turner at JJ72Guy. God, remember JJ72? I saw them oh, live. Yeah. I saw them live. He's, this is succinct. It's a banger. Mm-hmm. And Hayden yeah. has said would belong on a trimmed-down Generation Terrace, yet alone the full album. 
but it wouldn't be a standout on either, just a solid, solidly good song, very much in the style of that era. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what else is on the album, I guess. Because if they redid Generation Terrorists, there are certain songs you could take off and certain B-sides you could put on that would potentially improve it. Oh, I'm so horrible. Uh, that's a, that's, I think that's a general view, though, isn't it? It's too yeah. long. It's... I'm sorry, Mannix. I still love you. Time for. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Oh, here come the drums. The finger of Manic's past. <laughs> it's creeping. Oh no, sorry, that's the door. <laughs> okay, so I'm going through a list of Manic's B sides to cover next. And. <laughs> When you want me to stop, I want you to purr like a cat. Oh, I can't roll my R's. Okay. <laughs> I can't roll my R's, I'm very sorry. It sounds like someone who is mildly fed up. <laughs> this is a good one. Prologue to history. <gasps> yes! I mean, that kind of has just given away what I think of that. Okay, let's get into some news. Nikki has revealed some working titles for album number 14. The band had to stop recording due to restrictions in Wales before Christmas. The first one is called The Secret He Had Missed, brackets for Augustus and Gwen. Who are Augustus and Gwen? That's what I want to know. Probably poets or like yeah, second cousins to some poets. Random people <laughs> who live in Blackwood. Blank Diary Entry is another one. After Ending, which sounds to me like it could be a sequel to The Everlasting. I never thought of that. Uh, Diapause. <laughs> 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 yes, I, I feel I now have to explain Mikey's giggle. Is because when we thought we were recording this the first time, I genuinely thought he said, die your paws. And I thought, why are we trying to die the paws of innocent dogs? Let's not do that. That doesn't seem very manixy. But um, yeah, that's not what they said. That's not what they said, so let's move on. Um, Don't Let the Night Divide Us is another one. Now, you see, that, to me, sounds like it could be a Jason Donovan song from the 80s. Happy Board Alone, Orwellian, Still Snowing in Sapporo. Ooh, where's that? 
I'm, um, I'm very uncultured. It's off Dem Five near Taunton. <laughs> I know it. You can, you can see it from the Taunton Dean services, can't you? Quest for ancient colour is the ninth one they've announced or well showed. Oh, I like that. Yes, yeah, so it came with a quote from a woman called Jan Morris who is a Welsh historian. It says, I've become obsessed with the idea of reconciliation. Reconciliation with nature, but with people too. I think that travel has been a kind of search for that, a pursuit for unity, and even an attempt to contribute to a sense of unity. Which, to me, sums up the divided times, really. Yeah, and I think it would be nice if we do get a Manix album that kind of reflects that. I know they've said they're not going to talk about covid at all which is probably good i don't think we necessarily need an album that has a song about wearing a mask down to sainsbury's journalist simon price has sounded out the possibility of updating his 1999 biography of the band everything is seen as by many as a milestone in rock biographies i for one am up for it um the last book the first book he did only went up to this is my truth tell me yours so there'll be a lot to cover I think it's a really good idea because a lot has happened. You know, all the exciting bit is at the start, which, yes, you know, there's some truth to that. But I just think a lot has happened in the last 20 years. And it would be really fascinating to read it all in one and to see sort of how somebody as much of a gobshite as Nicky in his youth has sort of mellowed and the views that he holds now sort of compared to that. It'd be really interesting to see that, I think. And also, it, I, I'm i interested in how the recording process goes. I mean, let, look, let's be honest. I'm interested in everything there is to know about the Mannix. So bring me a book, Simon Price. Literally bring it to my house, please, because I can't go anywhere at the moment because I'm vulnerable. <laughs> so literally bring it to my house and I will read it under the duvet. Yeah, like you say, the recording processes is probably more of a thing. Because I'd love to know the mindset behind Rewind the Film and then Futurology. The fact that they recorded that at the same time. Two massively different albums came out. And there's lots of massive gigs they've done. Of course, what we're going to cover later, the New Year's Eve gig. Mm -hmm. uh, The O2 gig in 2011, the National Treasures gig. uh, The big stadium gig at at Swansea they did. So there's lots to cover. There's plenty. There's plenty. Okay, another book news. Stephen Lee Naish is releasing a new book on the Mannix as part of his Modern Music Matters series. He's, he's previously covered Blur, Pulp and Oasis in, in separate books. So it's likely, so he writes about Britpop essentially, so it's likely that this will involve Everything Must Go and This Is My Truth. Yes, very much sounds that way, doesn't it? It is out on March the 1st. Not long then. Uh, not long, uh, just a couple more. As... We record this on February 2nd. Yesterday marked 26 years since the disappearance of Richie Edwards. Journalist David Owens, who has a connection to the band spanning quite a few years, has released uh, under the name of The Lost Tapes a selection of short clips of an interview with Richie from 1992. It's on SoundCloud under the name A Sound Reaction. He's on Twitter as well under A Sound Reaction. And he's released about five five minute clips, and it's really interesting, really, because it's Richie speaking in his very genteel, calming tones, and occasionally it's talking about things like touring or like the album itself, and then occasionally in his mild mannered voice he'll 
say something controversial or like slag someone off. That is completely new information to me. I, that has completely passed me by and I don't know how. That is the purpose of news. Yeah, thank you very much. Lastly, I don't know if you've seen this as well, Gigwise have published 11 underrated songs of the Manics. Have you seen this? I have not. Gosh, have I been asleep under a rock? I thought I'd test you on what... I wanted to know your thought on their choices, but okay. I want I want you to make random noises. Oh, excellent. So the first choice, drug, drug, druggy. <laughs> that was my random noise. <laughs> well, all right. Can I, can I clarify? Random noise that kind of sums up your thoughts, whether they're correct. <laughs> don't go, don't don't go mooing. <laughs> All right then. Um, well, that's just made this whole game less fun for me. <laughs> I I like drug drug druggy. I wouldn't necessarily put it in my top eleven underrated. Emma, random yeah. noises. Oh, I'm sorry. We got ten more of these to go. Okay, let let me. That's my mid, my mid sound. Four stone seven pounds. Uh. <laughs> that, was, that was very similar to the first one. Yeah, because also I really, I do really like. When I was about uh, seventeen, I was obsessed with the line. Um, I want to walk in the snow and not leave a footprint and my mum was seriously concerned that I was going to develop an eating disorder <laughs> so um, yeah I do really really like that song but again if I had to pick underrated manic songs I still don't know if that would make it Emma I'm sorry just noises I'm sorry the girl who wanted to be God mm-hmm. <laughs> my little empire mm-hmm. close my eyes This is essentially just two noises. <laughs> I haven't got to one that I'm a vehement no yet. Glasnost. <laughs> that was my vehement no. Uh, the Second Great Depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this joke sport severed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I miss the Tokyo sunshine. Skyline. Oh, it's very in between for me. I really like it, but I can't decide if it would make my list. Dreaming a city. <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, now for this one, the last one. I want you to make an approving or disapproving animal noise. Oh, okay. The left behind. No! <laughs> It was an agreeing cow. That was Plur song two. It was. It was song two on the farm. That's really tricky because I really like that song, but I, I it wouldn't probably make my list. But you you didn't give me a middle a middle ground, so I went with the enthusiastic Blur cow. Still to come, we have the first instalment of our Manix quiz, the Crucifix quiz. But coming up, as the Seahorses once said, 1999 was a hell of a year. New Year's Eve was the best bit. Were you there? 
Were you there? Hey, Alex Street Preachers! You stole a song from my heart! Okay, I've got some facts about it. Ooh. Uh, fact one, the Millennium Bug didn't strike. It did not. I remember everyone being very concerned about that. Uh, but yeah, people were genuinely concerned that technology would crash and we'd be in an apocalypse. I think everyone, didn't everyone think we were going to go back to like 1900? Yeah, I think they were worried about the digits or something and it wouldn't click over. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, because they were they were talking about planes falling out of the sky. It was it was bloody apocalyptic at one point. Everyone was like, "Well, you know, we could have like markets will crash because the computers that run the stock markets are going to just break, and the planes will fall out of the sky because of radar and the computers that keep them in the sky won't work." And I was just like, "Really." Really? We have a new year every year. Have we not planned for one with some noughts in it? I know, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's another world, though, when we're worried about that, though, isn't it? God, I wish the Millennium Bug was the only thing we had to be concerned about. Now we do have the real-life apocalypse. Yeah. Fact number two. It was the first concert to take place at the stadium. James described themselves as the Manic Street Guinea Pigs. Ooh. Which is a tribute band I would love to see. I would I would definitely go and see the Manic Street Guinea Pigs. At the time, it was the biggest indoor gig ever staged. Wow. In the last fact, the rehearsal room they used for the show was the Newport Centre, a 2000 capacity hall, which the band had played many times before and a lot of times subsequently. Oh. God. I mean, when you think like that that was such a big deal... For them to be playing in this huge, you know, stadium. It's so commonplace. I know there were stadium gigs before that, obviously, but it just, it's so commonplace. So many people have played the Millennium Stadium. I've been to see things at the Millennium Stadium. When I recall the memories of these kind of things, it makes me realise how the world has evolved in the past 20 years. This was the first time I'd ever used a credit card to buy a ticket, but... But you had to you had to phone up and buy the tickets because yeah. you couldn't buy them on the internet. I also had to do that for accommodation, and mm. I remember there being a vague database of hotels and B and Bs online, but you couldn't contact them online, so you had yeah. to ring around. I think I paid about fifty pounds for a New New Year's Eve in Cardiff, which was wow. pretty good, isn't it? This is very upsetting for me. I just want to point out. <laughs> Because um, I knew somebody who said to me, oh, I'm going to go and see them for this Manic Millennium gig. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. And my mum and dad were like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> You're not going. Um, I was 17 and they were just like, you can't go and meet somebody. I can't remember who it was who was going. I don't think it was somebody I knew all that well. Or if it was somebody I knew well, it was somebody I hadn't seen for absolutely ages. And they were like, you can't just rock up to Cardiff by yourself and go to a gig with someone you don't know that well. It's it's we're not we're not happy about you being safe. We don't think you'll be safe. So no, you're not going. And I just remember genuinely being so bereft. 
that I couldn't go. So this whole thing is very triggering. I, I felt the same when I couldn't see uh, Oasis in like 1995 and 1996. My my mum was, no, because she'd seen uh, concert footage and everyone's jumping about and going mad. She said, no, it doesn't look safe. And also people take drugs at concerts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. For this Millennium gig, it was my plan to go alone because no one that... I was friends with was interested in the same music as me so it was just there's no way I'm missing it I'm going on my own um but then I saw a post on teletext and this is what ages the story completely I saw a post on teletext someone in Exeter was saying I'm going up anyone want a lift I'm going on my own I'd like some company that kind of thing it sounded less desperate than that I'd like to point out (laughs) um but how to explain teletext because if you're oh. if you're from abroad or you're of a certain age, you'll have no idea what teletext is. I mean, teletext was a thing of absolute wonder. For a start, bamboozle. Bamboozle was absolutely incredible. Also, they had the void, where you could talk about music and stuff, and well, I. I was Mrs. Mannix on that as well. Cfax or teletext? Because I, I oh, think it was the void on Cfax. Yeah, because I saw that advert on Planet Sound. Mm. I think it's called Planet Sound. I think that was a Channel 4 thing. Um, I think CFAX was BBC, wasn't it? CFAX was definitely the BBC one, yes. The only way that I can possibly describe teletext to people who don't know what it is, it's basically a very blocky version of the internet (laughs) that's much slower and it doesn't have the naked bodies in it. No. If if you I mean, if you imagine Minecraft Yes, yeah. But just text and the occasional what? really bad graphic. Honestly, I'm actually slightly sad for people who um grew up without teletext and CFAX because it was so much fun. But and also, and this is really tragic, I used the name Mrs. Mannix and um I used to write in this is on cfax to like pages like the void and planet sound and stuff and i used to write so often <laughs> send i mean when i say write it wasn't pen and paper with a stamp i did used to do it online send an email but i used to sign off as mrs mannix and i remember the first time i went on the void and somebody had been like as mrs mannix said the other day and i was like <gasps> i'm famous I'm CFAX famous. I'm CFAX famous. So, yeah, it was what a time. Innocent days, eh? Yeah. So my parents drove me from Paul in Dorset to Exeter Services to meet up with this random stranger. And I just waited on a bench outside and my parents stayed in the car nearby and didn't leave until they knew that this person had turned up. Because I had no idea. They could have just not turned up. Yeah. So when they turned up, it was a woman called Faye. They were like, "All right, we're off by." But what would they have done if she hadn't turned up? Because I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, my dad wouldn't have gone. Right, we're driving you to Cardiff. Yeah. No. <laughs> They'd be right. You're going back home. I'd be like, "No, I'm getting a train." No. <laughs> I've been kicking and screaming. Is that, is that Faye, as in your friend Faye, who you are still That's friends with it. now? Oh. It's, it's a weird a pivotal moment in my life this gig really because it changed the path of my life really we went up on the car and i strongly remember bringing a cassette 
<laughs> it's again another thing that just ages it <laughs> bringing a cassette tape with uh the six by seven debut album on one side and, and a uh, album by the delgado's called peloton on the, on the other and to my surprise she was a fan of six by seven so there was another connection there oh that's nice but here's the thing i later discovered she had put our lives in danger on that journey <laughs> because the car was a death trap oh no it was a cut and shut <gasps> it was two cars welded together and it was coming apart at the seams <laughs> And about a week or two later, the garage, apparently the garage just said, why have you been driving in this? It's falling apart. Wow. That's scary. Faye didn't have a room, so I had to sneak her into my room to get ready for the gig. And to very disapproving looks from the uh, owner of the of the B&B. Okay. Oh, she's just getting ready. She's not staying here. It was all that kind of thing. And in the morning, I remember sneaking leftover bits of breakfast back into the room for her. <laughs> Oh. And I remember on the way to the gig, walking to the gig, we went to a garage to get a bottle opener because we had a drink each. Yeah. And that's the only drink we had all night because it was impossible to get a drink in the venue. <laughs> on the way, on the way to the stadium, there's a family in front of us, uh, a mother and father and a child. And the child kept on looking back. And she's she and she's she grabbed her dad's hand because she looked really worried and increasingly she was start being distressed. She started pointing at Faye. I can't remember what she said, but something along the lines of she was scared of her. Oh. And Faye, what had Faye had done is she had basically painted around her eyes so much thick makeup <laughs> that I could only just say she came as a, to a fancy dress as a panda. <laughs> <laughs> and the little girl was terrified. Absolutely terrified. So in the space of a few hours, she'd nearly killed me in a car and she'd scared a small child. <laughs> See, I've always had the opposite at Manix gigs. I went to the O2, the Christmas gig at the O2, and I went dressed as an angel. And I was walking through London in this little angel outfit. And I remember a kid going, oh, fairies are real! <laughs> So, yeah, I've only really had the opposite. I've never scared a child. I'll make that my mission for the next Manic Geek. We got in the stadium. This is quite patchy. Like, I remember Patrick Jones was on. He was doing some poetry, I think. But I think it was towards the end of that. I don't really remember a lot about the support bands. Yeah. Uh, Super Furries we saw and we saw Feeder. But I don't remember. Apparently, the crowd went mad for Feeder, and I don't really recall that. But yeah, we'll get onto both our thoughts of the actual gig in a minute. But the thing I remember most about afterwards is back at the B and B. I remember we had the telly on, and there was a the big breakfast. By luck, we changed the channel to BBC One, and it was just at the start of showing the Manics, a design for life from the show yeah. we'd just been at.
basically after that, me and Faye kept in contact over the next year through letters. Aww. We became pen friends. So we occasionally met up for gigs, including Muse at Bristol Fleece and Firkin and Manson at the Bristol Anson Rooms. A gig where I overdid it so much. I, I had so much aftershock. It was the first time I'd ever drunk aftershock in my life and I didn't really pay attention to the name of the of the drink. <laughs> she had to drag me back to the hotel and I was sick everywhere. Oh no. In early 2001 I moved to Devon. Uh, we moved in together and we've been friends for 21 years. That's incredible. It's mad isn't it? Just to think, just meeting a random stranger. Yeah. Off the off the pre-internet. Yeah. Wow. The gig itself, what is your experience Experience of the announcement of the show, first and foremost. I remember re- seeing like a full page advert for it, and I think it was Melody Maker, and genuinely being like, oh my god, I, that, I like, they're this band that I absolutely adore, and I think are the best band in the whole world, and they're going to do this huge gig for New Year. And I've always hated New Year's Eve. Um, so I was, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to love it because my grandparents made a huge thing of it, but sort of at, in, once I was into my teens, it was like there's so much pressure to do something amazing on New Year's Eve and so I was always a bit like oh god it's new forced fun isn't it forced fun it really is and then you're supposed to brag about it when you go back to work or school or whatever Um, and I just was like oh my god this is going to be so amazing and I so desperately wanted to go I just thought it sounded incredible and um, yeah I was just filled with sadness (laughs) What did you actually do on New Year's Eve in the end? Well, I stayed in uh, with my parents and my sister, who was also a Manix fan, um, and we basically waited for, as you've just mentioned, the BBC to show a clip from the gig. We were literally sat in the lounge, and and my mum and dad were, I don't remember what we watched at all. I just remember being like, they're going to show it, they're going to show it at some point, they're going to show it at some (laughs) point. So we were just sort of waiting for the Mannix to come on. And then when they did, me and my sister went absolutely crazy and were like shrieking and whooping and dancing around the lounge like a pair of twats. Yeah, my only um, seeing of the gig was that little clip until the VHS came out. I had it on VHS first, yeah. What did you make of the set list in terms of how it covered their career? I was really jealous because obviously at that point I didn't know if when I was going to get to go and see them I was really jealous that they did I think they did Stay Beautiful didn't they they did yeah and Stay Beautiful at that point was my absolute favourite Manic song so I was like I can't believe that they did Stay Beautiful they also I know they did a walking abortion and I was like oh my god I'd love to hear that live and Small Black Flowers which yeah. always makes me cry so I was very jealous of certain songs but I think I remember saying um, when the, when I actually got the video although I thought it was absolutely brilliant I remember saying I think you can sort of tell that because it was New Year's Eve there were going to be a lot of people there who were just pissed and not necessarily like devoted Manix fans just wanted a night out I think you could kind of tell that they'd slotted a few cl- a crowd pleasers in there yeah, I think that was an, probably a necessity because it is yeah, such absolutely. a big gig my memory of the show has been somewhat overtaken by the DVD because yeah. I've watched it so many times. There are certain things I remember. Like, I do strongly remember, like, James coming out and shouting Happy New Year and those acoustic numbers. I remember James standing near the front of the stage and then 
and then a walking abortion starting. slagging off stereophonics <laughs> I can't remember what he said but they they were playing a gig I think up in a New Year's Eve gig up in Liverpool or something and he, he was like them off um, the crush at the front surging towards the barrier as Nicky threw his bass in wow I, I remember that really strongly that was quite intense and I, I briefly spoke to the guy as the crowd filtered out I briefly spoke to the guy who was holding half of the bass. Yeah. I remember James laughing at Nicky as he was led down and asking for the time. That, <laughs> I remember that so strongly. James was just like, what on earth are you doing, mate? <laughs> and also, this is a weird thing. I remember a black jumper. Oh, okay. There was a time during the gig where uh, it was a black jumper or a black coat kept on landing on my head. <laughs> just kept on landing. I kept on throwing it away and it kept on coming back. And there's a moment in the DVD where there is a black jumper or coat flying in the air. It's a crowd shot and it's flying in the air. And sometimes I go, that was me. Oh, that must be lovely. If it wasn't me, then it was certainly near me because it kept on landing on my fucking head. The DVD has brought out so many classic Manic Sad Libs. Mm. Uh, means amongst my favourite, Skippy Skippy Fuck Off. That's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> I can't, I can't not do that now when I hear Australia. It's like um, the end of Everything Must Go, I always say, come and be my fucking... Yeah. yeah, it is Everything Must Go, isn't it? And it's, be it's become a, such a thing that like, sometimes in a gig nowadays, you noticed, you notice yeah. someone next to you in the crowd doing that. It's normally me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you reckon the song highlights are of the show? From the DVD? Um, for me, a huge one is uh, No Surface or Feeling. And the, the dedication, um, I think it was before Small Black Flowers, to Richie, um, yes. really got to me. Because obviously, again, I was a very new fan. I just sort of devoured all the story about Richie and was very like, oh my God, where is he? What happened? I'm so invested in this you know mystery but it's so tragic so yeah any mention of him back then i'm sad to say i was like oh, they mentioned richie <laughs> yeah, i was i was the stereotype i'm afraid um but yeah i it's funny it's those those are the two songs i think everything must go is such a perfect album in my opinion and so every time i hear a song from it live i do get a little bit like oh my god um and those two are two of my favourite songs from it. So they are moments that really, really stuck out.
hearing Masses Against the Classes was like, yeah. oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, I don't think it was a debut of Masses. I think no. they played it at Tea in the Park. Or, yeah, it was the first time I'd heard it. And I think the crowd were a bit flat because it was obviously new. I was very excited to go out and buy that on single. We'll cover that in a moment. My highlights of the DVD, Ready for Drowning. One of my absolute favourite Mannix moments is when the voice sample happens and there's that crashing drums afterwards and then the yeah. soaring guitar and then James does that primal howl. I love it so much. And it's such a beautiful version of it. Stay Beautiful, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's always fun to shout fuck off in a crowd of thousands of people. Do you reckon it was as ad lib as they made out? Go, oh, we've got like three minutes to fill. Let's, mm. let's have a bit of fucking Stay Beautiful. I don't believe that was an ad lib. It's too much of a fan favourite. I think it's almost like let's tease you. They lied to us. Another highlight for me is Australia, which is, is far from one of my favourite songs, but it's such a ferocious version. Design for Life, of course, because it's just such an epic version. That's another thing I do remember vividly from the gig, the James Wiggle. Oh, yeah! When his guitar strap broke. And he just basically looks like a little boy lost, like, what do I do now? <laughs> oh, bless him. But in, in terms of, 
the band as a whole. I just think it it's a really good testament to have that on DVD as a mark of where they were at that time, the band they yeah. were at that time. And I think it's a really important part of their career because obviously we know what's happened since. We know they've gone in different directions, but that was that's the band at their peak, their commercial peak. Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of... Um, it sounds really stupid because, like I said, I'd only been... I think I'd been a fan for probably about seven months. <laughs> like a proper fan at that point. But I remember just thinking there's... I... I know there was um, some sort of biting between um, old fans and new fans. And I remember just thinking, I can't imagine being annoyed that they'd got such commercial success and that they were doing something so massive because it's what they literally always talked about from day one. You know, we're gonna sell, sell 16 million albums and split up in a blaze of glory. You know, they never sort of shied away from saying we want to be huge. And so for me, I just one of the things I really vivid, vividly remember was thinking, I'm so proud that they're doing something so massive and that the BBC are going to cut to them, you know, on New Year's Eve because it's important we all see it. You know? A band so weird like the Manics to play to that many people. And to have the first number one of the millennium be a song like Masses Against the Classes yeah. is huge. Something else I've just, just been reminded of is... Do you know the, like, Arthur Scargill video? Yes. That is just before Tolerate in the, in the in the DVD. There was a lot of videos throughout the night before round the support bands and before the Manics came on. Like that, just wishing yeah. Happy New Year and all that kind of thing. And Arthur Scargill's was one of them. But one I remember was Charlotte Church. Yes! And everyone, <laughs> the whole fucking stadium booed it. Really? And when she appeared on the screen, the whole stadium booed Charlotte Church. I was going to say, she would have been wee. Okay, we've got a bit of communication from the spots. We have a tweet from, I'm going to say this wrong, uh, <laughs> from Dybrin77. I'm sorry, okay. Um, and it says, I've still got a long sleeve t-shirt with that image on it. Great night. Plus it made a change being sober at midnight. You couldn't get drunk, I'm telling you that. It's so hard to get a drink in those flipping stadiums. I've got one from Patrick who says, it was a last minute decision to go, so I got a ticket from a tout as I heard feeder, as I heard feeder playing inside. Because of the lack of planning, I had to sleep on a park bench all night. Thoroughly worth it though, while not the band at its peak, it was still a great night. A real I was there kind of show. And one from Brianna. A gig I will forever hold in my heart reminds me of a special time. I watch the DVD at least five times a year. Okay, you've got one email, I think. It's a long story, so buckle up. I love it when people said it's a long story because it's like, yes, get those details in. When the Millennium Show was announced, I was de delighted that my friend had secured tickets for the show. I met up with my pals outside the stadium, and the thing I remember most about this was one of them saying that This Is Hardcore by Pulp is an album which must be played in whole every time. I heartily agreed and still agree. I did buy a programme, but I lost it, and temporarily one of my shoes, in the feeder crush. I didn't know any feeder songs then, I just wanted to be at the front for the Manics. I heard a couple of Super Fairy Animal songs, but not enough to appreciate their show. Which I, was which I was watching from the back of the stadium on my own, having retreated from the feeder mosh. Our boys came on and played You Stole the Sun, which was a bit underwhelming, seeing as I was looking forward to a bit of gobshite behaviour. 
Highlights once again for me were Of Walking Abortion and Masses. I also loved Small Black Flowers and James's Richie dedication. I did get a kiss from a random girl at midnight as Let It Be played and I assumed she felt sorry for me on my own. As a Generation Terrorist fanboy, I was delighted that Stay Beautiful got played and the expected A Design for Life finale didn't disappoint. Then I was spat out into a bitterly cold Cardiff night to wait for the first train back to Stroud. My housemates had had a millennium party whilst I'd been seeing the Mannix and the place was completely vile. None of us were living there by the time the next New Year's rolled round. So you got a midnight snob, which is much more than I got. Got a few people sending in that they were in executive boxes for that night, so I don't know how expensive they would have been. I'm personally glad that I was where I was, down near the front. It felt like an arena gig, essentially, especially with the roof closed. And only if you looked round did you really notice how big the whole stadium was. Keep your experiences and memories of the gig coming in. We'll sneak them into the next episode. You can send a written email or a voice note to Pod one at gmail.com Were you there? Were you there? That brings us on to The Masses Against The Classes released on 10th of January the first new number one of the millennium knocking Westlife (coughs) off the top spot the country was founded on the principle that the primary role of government is to protect property from the majority, uh, and so it remains. And also, here's an important point, how do you say it? The masses against the classes, or the masses against the classes? I say masses against the classes. Because it works. Normally, because I'm a southerner, I would say classes. I am strange in that I flit, because I was a RAF kid, so I've lived all around the country. I am technically a southerner, but my mum's a Midlander, Midlander, sorry. but living in Cornwall, you're around all these people who say class and ass. <laughs> so it's um, it's difficult because sometimes I'll be talking to someone and go, oh, yeah, um, class. And then the next day I'll be talking to somebody else and I'll say class. And my, my, my parents will literally pick me up on this and be like, pick one. <laughs> Just pick one and stick to it. But I can't. I flit between both. But I've always been a masses against the classes because it rhymes. It's unrelated. How do you pronounce mining class or class? Mining class. Okay. Mining class against the masses. She was one of my first ever girl crushes. Um, anyway, I, I remember hearing this for the first time and genuinely had this moment where every hair on the back of my neck went up and I was just like, this is fucking epic. And it's funny because there, I've spoken to people who've said that they don't think it's aged well. What? I know. I've spoken to Manix fans and they've been like, oh, it was great at the time, but it's not aged well. And I'm like, fuck off. (laughs) No, 
offence, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're wrong. Because it's just, it's so short. It's like just a short burst. You know, we were talking about Democracy Coma and like, it's a short burst of, ah, this is what we're about. And for me, Masters Against Classes had almost the same effect on me. I was like, yes, they've said what they want to say right now. I mean, it starts with that amazing quote, you know, the country was founded on the primary role of government is to protect property from the majority and so it remains. And it's it's and then you've got that Aww, and it's like, you know, a furiously angry twist and shout. <laughs> it's just it's so good. I I loved it when I first heard it and I remember being so proud to call myself a Mannix fan. My only issue, really, is that um I'm trying to think of the freaking Know Your Enemy. Sorry, couldn't remember the name of the album. Wow, I'm a good fan. Um, is that Know Your Enemy isn't like it. I know it's separate. It wasn't on the album, but I was like, come on, do more of that. They probably felt because it, every year had passed that they, they couldn't put it on Know Your Enemy. because Yeah. And it, it probably takes away the fact that this was such a limited release because this was yeah. deleted on after the day of release. That's it. And I thought that was such an incredible, like, um, gesture is the wrong word, symbol almost. It was just like, I remember that's why I've got it. I don't own many, sing like, hard copies of singles. I'm not a collector like that because I just don't have the room. <laughs> not because I don't care. I just don't have the room to store them. But I, it, I was like, when I heard about that, I was like, oh, my God, well, I have to go out and get it. And I think it was quite canny because, let's be honest, if you want to get a number one, what better way to get it than saying, well, we're going to release it and then we're going to stop the presses and there's never going to be any more. So if you want it, you have to go out and buy it now. That's it. The mad thing is, it was 76,000, I think, copies sold. I think it was 76. How what? How can you think this has aged? It's just incredible. It's, it's a complete tonal shift from This Is My Truth. In keeping with some of the band's best songs, it's very self-referential. But it's just a bold, we're still here, we still kick ass statement. Yeah, absolutely. It's high on its own arrogance. We're, we're the only thing left to believe in. Our hate is yours to feed upon. And the menacing driving baseline with Hello It's Us again sounds so sinister. What I also love is the, how discordant the guitar solo is. Yeah. It's just so unhinged and like the rigid drum beat and then the, the way that it the ending crashes and slows down like it's having a meltdown. I remember the first time I heard that guitar solo and I was just like, he's gone mental and I love it. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah, the beginning quote is Noam Chomsky and the final yeah. quote is from Albert Camus, or Camus. Do the lyrics really though, this is the only problem I've probably had with the song, do the re lyrics of the song really relate to those quotes? <sighs> I mean, argue, you could argue that no, not as not as closely as maybe you'd like them to. Only maybe in the context of the Manics being part of the masses and kicking off. Yeah. But they're not yeah. really, the song's not really kicking off against the establishment. It's just probably kicking off against people who slag them off. Mm, yeah. What would you give it out of five? A solid four. Oh, four point five. Oh, well, up my up mine then. Up mine to a four point five. Four point five. It's a classic.
It's time for our first quiz, and for it, I caught up with an old friend. I say old, she's 41, but that is old to some. It's time for the crucifix quiz. <laughs> You're supposed to respond to that. Okay, will you come out of it our Lord and Saviour, or will you just be tied to a cross and whipped? I hope the latter. First up is Faye, who I've already mentioned nearly killed me in a car on the way to Cardiff and scared a small child. Do you have any memories of that day or that night that you can broadcast? How long have I got? Um, I was so excited about that for so long. Um... One of the biggest build-ups to a gig ever for me. And just travelling up and, yeah. Do you remember what we talked about? Because all I remember is having a cassette in the car. But why? why there are certain memories that have sections of memories, but I don't remember what we talked about considering we were strangers who just no, met. No, but I didn't find you difficult to talk at. <laughs> at? <laughs> um, I think that... So you talked at me, probably. Yeah, I think that I, if I'm nervous, I don't stop talking. So I'm sure we filled the space and talked about music. But no, I don't remember what we talked about. I thought you looked very frightened when I actually picked you up. I thought <laughs> you looked like a scared hobo. So I thought, it, I don't still don't know if it was you that I was writing to, but that person I picked up was, yeah worth taking what did you what did you make of the gig itself do what do you remember because i was saying earlier to emma most of the gig my memory of the gig has been kind of erased from the dvd because you watch the dvd so many times i've also had that and also as an aside i've come to that experience about anything that's recorded now or any live stuff because so much is recorded i would venture to suggest you don't watch it too much as it replaces too late it's way too late but, um, yeah, what? my no, my memory's been very excited to go in, and it being a bit crackers to go in, and then nervous. And I think because the gig was later, it was tiring. Yeah, they didn't come on to back half ten. Yeah, I think. But when it was actually happening, well, it was mental. You know, you do get that from the DVD, but I do remember looking up at the sides constantly. I quite quite often scan at gigs, so I remember looking up at the sides and seeing everyone. So when everyone was singing, it was just mental. I was completely in love with Nikki at that point, which was ridiculous. <laughs> your wall, your bedroom wall was plastered with Nikki pictures. Bordering on my obsessional period, so the fact he was mostly in a dress was like... Um, I remember it being nice and loud, which I didn't think it would be there. Just a lot of drunk Welshness. Um, but it has, yeah, the DVD has replaced most of the memory. Mm. Um, I can't even really remember where I was stood because um, I can see it through camera angles. We were pretty close, and I think once they went off in New Year's Eve, we got even closer because a few people dispersed. Yeah. But I remember when he was singing Can't Take My Eyes Off You, you just sat down on the floor. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Everyone else was singing like merrily long, you were just like, yeah. Oh, I you didn't. I was knackered. <laughs> yeah, it's gone midnight. Yeah, you were probably knackered. I would, yeah. The me- when I get too excited for things, sometimes the memory's hazy afterwards. I remember at Brixton Academy in 2001, 
you fainted and mm. you had to be carried over the barrier. And me being such a gentleman, I thought, shall I go and say, go and see where she is? And I thought, nah, she'll be all right. <laughs> I, I fainted just a lot of gigs when I was younger because I got overexcited before I went. Got too excited when I was there and bounced around too much and then just passed. And I seem to accept that as a part of it then. Yeah. I'd be mortified now. Yeah. Didn't you break your glasses as well? Yeah, I lost yeah. my glasses because they fell off. Yeah. And then I think that was a gig we tried to catch the bus. So and we had, had to be to, right at the back for design. For the design for life. And then we ran out and you were running across London without any shoes on. I remember that well. Yeah. I couldn't handle that aggro for gigs now. <laughs> but, you know, being like hardcore about it all and was was almost part of it then, I suppose. What do you mean then? Well, yeah. But, <laughs> <clears throat> some of us have grown up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, suffering for your fandom. <laughs> All right. Very cool. We will do the quiz. It's 15 questions. Okay. Okay, hear the rules. 15 questions. Rules? Three points each. Okay. Although there's three obscure questions, which is six points. That means they're harder. So, yeah. So, you the total pointage is 48. Okay. Yeah, Ready? Yeah. <laughs> In 1991... Richie said the most beautiful thing in London is a what? And that's not one of the obscure ones. Hotel room. It's at McDonald's. Name the guest vocalist vocalist on this sullen Welsh heart. Um, Anchoress. No. What is it? It's Lucy Rose. You'll get this, I know, because I... After I wrote this, I realised you've been there. <laughs> what year did the band headline Glastonbury Festival? 99. Yep. Three points. What is Nicky Wire's favourite brand of crisp? Not Walkers. Definitely not Walkers. I know he hates them, but because he hates them, I don't know what he loves. Golden Wonder. Three points. This is a quick fire round. Five... Six and seven are all one point each. Five, how old is James Dean Bradfield? 52. How old is Nicky Wire? 52. How old is Sean Moore? 50. No. Uh, Nicky Wire's 52, so he got that right. James is 51 and Sean oh. is 52. Complete the song lyric. Run away, run away as fast as you can. Can't catch me on the gingerbread. Don't. That's. I did this quiz with Mel earlier, and she said that. Mel did this quiz. I did this quiz, and she got three three points overall. But she said you can't catch me on the gingerbread man. Okay, I'm having a song block because that's in there so strongly. So can you please, quizmaster, could you please sing the lyrics? <laughs> no, I can't. Because then I'll know the tune. Run away, run away as fast as you can. No, you'll have to sing it. Run away. Run away. That's not even it. That's as you can. No. I'm so lost with the gingerbread man. The year of purification, it's oh, from anything that needs discipline. See, I don't fucking Mannix fan anymore. <laughs> How many Brit Awards have the Mannix won? Four. Four. I give you three points for that. This that. is the kind of fan I would have been at the Manic Millennium. This is the. Yeah. Yeah, this is. That says a lot, really. 
This is an Obscuro. Oh, Jesus. So six points. What chart position did Gold Against the Soul get to? Eleven. Eight. Come on. It's, it's obscure. It's obscure. You have in the ballpark. <laughs> Name the two new songs that were included on the 2002 compilation album Forever Delayed. Forever Delayed. Two new songs. No, I don't know. Door to the River and Thereby the Grace of God. Oh my God. That was, <laughs> the Grace of God was on that. That was like, yeah, like 18 years ago, whatever it was. I don't it? even know. Oh no. You're having, you're having a meltdown now, aren't you? Uh, 12. The quote at the beginning of Faster is voiced by who? Um, Sue Johnston. Sue Johnston. That's not what I mean, is it? <laughs> I'm going to give you another chance on that one. <laughs> you mean the person from the royal family? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, that's not what I mean. That's the visual I've got. John Hurt. Yes. Why am I not Sue Johnston? <laughs> Do you damn well think you're God or something? That was in my head at first. You think that you think the beginning of our no. guys of pain is Sue Johnston? <laughs> <laughs> no, in itself is funny and it's not even and it's not even faster. I just imagine imagine you on the sofa in the royal family. Do you damn well oh, think I'm God or something? Perhaps not whenever I hear that I can only see Sue Johnston well, in my head. And that's gonna happen to me now, thanks for that. Every time, and then I've mixed archives of Bane Faster, which shows I've completely slipped off Manic's family. Even more weirdly, I played the clip to Mel earlier, the yeah. beginning intro, and she thought it said, I don't want Vegemite to exist. <laughs> oh, she's right. Yeah, so now, if I hear archives of Pain, I'm going to picture Sue Johnson, <laughs> and, and for the beginning, forever, I'm going to think of Faster as I don't want Vegemite to yeah, exist. Yeah, with him in self royal, just sitting there and going to him, do you die? <laughs> oh, Jim, do you know you God? God gets tea, God take it tea away. <laughs> okay, 13. Uh, com- scrambled brain. Complete the song lyric. Oh my God. Escape's not worth the capture, so walk that lonesome road. Sing it. This is. I'm not a performing monkey. You can edit out your singing. Escape's not worth the rapture. So walk that long some road. It's a more recent song. No joy or earthly rapture, nothing to take the load. See? I'm not even a jukebox anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I found a post, a Facebook where the other day it says Michael says you're a human jukebox. Yeah, it's gone it's, it's old age, mate. It's old age. That and I don't stalk bands anymore, which is just clearly brought up. 14. About what song did Sean Moore say it used to be called Generation Terrorists, but it was too provocative? I think the field's narrowed by... You love us? ...by the working title. No, it's Stay Beautiful. This is the last one. The song Charles Windsor is a cover. Which band did the original... McCarthy. Say it a bit more convincingly. McCarthy, I think. Yeah, McCarthy. I was nervous to do. Okay, 
Hang on, let me total that this one up. This quiz is really hard. I thought you would do better at that, actually. I, I thought some of those would be quite easy. No. I mean, I can't say this live, but I'm just not an anal fan anymore. <laughs> you know? I think that's a lot of the problem. I've heard that about you, yeah. It's interesting that, you know, the only person I know old there is Nikki, but I don't even know the names of people in bands anymore that I like. You've got 16 out of 48. I would consider myself to be banned from any form of Manic's fandom for that. That is it for episode nine. You can contact us on Twitter at MSP underscore pod. Email us at mspod1 at gmail.com. You can apply to be on our quiz here too. We are also on Instagram and Facebook as Manic Street Speakers. Until next time. We love you one time. I had to think. (laughs) (laughs) I even set you up. Sometimes I remember that I don't set you up and that's why there's the pause, but I even set you up. You're so good as well. And I was just like, oh fuck, this is me. What is it that I say? Look, we're really slick here, okay? We love you one time, we love you two times, we love you three fucking times. Millennium consciousness means fuck all! Things that make you go. No!